Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Saladcast. Myself, Ollie and Glyn. How are you doing, Glyn? Good, yeah. It's uh, another week where we haven't lost, isn't it? A um, bit different to last week's podcast, obviously, talking about the excitement of a trip to Liverpool. Um, this time we're back up in almost the northwest um, with a trip to Crewe. Um, <laughs> not quite as exciting, but uh, yeah, um, we, we took a lot of fans again, so there was one similarity there, which we'll touch on in a minute. But um, yeah, we're obviously joined by a, a guest, and um, we've got Lauren Edwards back on for a second appearance. So welcome back, Lauren. Thank you. Nice to be back. No worries, and you were at the game yesterday, weren't you? And we were just, I just mentioned that, really. We were sort of talking before we recorded, really, about how good it was to see how many town fans went to the game yesterday. And we, we took 1,434, which is a cracking effort, really, to crew. And we, we always do well at crew, don't we, with the direct railway line. But following on the back of Liverpool, it does feel like a little bit of a, a real boost to the team to have seen two big away attendances back-to-back. Yeah, I'd say there's a bit of a, a feel-good factor around the, the club and the, the fans at the moment. Um, obviously, with the results and the performances... And then obviously, yeah, the big cup, big cup run as well. So, yeah, I think everyone's in quite a positive mindset at the moment. Didn't get the result that we would have liked on Saturday, but um, everyone seems to be in quite good spirits. And Lauren, it, it's it is always good, isn't it, to get those big away attendances? It just kind of at a crew, you kind of enjoy that day a little bit more with with a, a thousand odd town fans around you, don't you? And, and the kind of vibe that brings. Yeah, definitely. It was nice to see so many town fans out, and it was it was quite a good atmosphere in parts as well. So it was a uh, Good to see the positivity around the fans again after uh, we were comparing it to the beginning of the season and how different it was. And it's nice to have that feel-good factor back about the club. Yeah, that's well said, isn't it, Ollie? We've been talking about this the last few episodes and I've got a few stats to throw that into context, really, when we get into the game. So, um, yeah, welcome back, Lauren. Um, Looking forward to chatting to you about this one and and Ollie as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll get cracking on with looking at the crew game. Good ball across. Beautiful goal from Steve Andrews. So the result on Saturday was Crew nil, Shrewsbury nil. Um, attendance um, five thousand um, and eighty-seven, five thousand five hundred eighty-seven. Sorry, and we've obviously mm-hmm. um, one thousand four hundred um, Shrewsbury Town fans. So that was a good attendance. I imagine there's quite a few empty seats there, Glyn. Um, it is quite yeah. a large stadium, uh, but you got some good stats to share for this week. Some interesting ones. Yeah, we'll have a talk about Crew Stadium, I think, a couple of times as we go through this one because there's a few observations I think town fans made on Saturday which um, not really been apparent over the last few games. But yeah, quite a lot of interesting stats to come out of this one. And, um, you know, we've spent the last few weeks talking about goal scoring. We can park that one for a few for a few moments, Ollie, because <laughs> we, we didn't score. Um, four clean sheets in a row, I think, is the best place to start, isn't it? Um, and, you know, you, you think about that, you think, oh, that's good, defence are playing well, you know, goalkeepers kept four clean sheets in a row. Thought I'd go back and have a look at how long it's actually, um, actually been since we got four clean sheets in a row in the league. And you actually have to go back um, to the League Two season, 2014-2015 under Mickey Mellon, um, over March-April 2015. We got four clean sheets in a row um, during that run as well. So, yeah, it's been quite a long time, hasn't it, with those clean sheets. And just to, just to cover that off, it means that we obviously have never kept four clean sheets in a row in League One during these recent seasons we've been in League One. Um, and combining that with the fact we've only conceded one goal in five games, Lauren, that the actual turnaround and, and you know amount of clean sheets and, and those stats really throw it into context of just how well the defence have kind of got it together now compared to the start of the season where we were shipping them for fun. Absolutely. I think the turnaround's been quite incredible, really. I think it's made a difference having that steady back line. I think George Nurse and uh, Pennington playing alongside Ebanks Landau really set the structure for quite a strong defence mm-hmm. and a good base. Yeah. And um, the the stat, when I read the agenda and saw it was the first time we've got four clean sheets in a row, I was quite surprised. But then I'm not... The way we've been defended, I think it, it's 
testimony to how the team have done to be honest um i think they've done a really really good job and they've settled and it's it's it they look solid they don't look as if they're going to give away as many mistakes like we did at the start of the season what do you think's been the difference lauren obviously you go to a lot of games you would have seen um obviously conceding a lot at the start of the season what for you is the the biggest difference between kind of the start of the season and now i think just the the consistency in the back four and not making all the changes all the time but also i think Having Ebanks Landal in there without Pierre alongside him, I think it just makes us a little bit more um, mobile with George Nurse and Pennington alongside mm. Landau rather than Pierre, because Pierre wasn't fit at the beginning of the season, I don't think. And <laughs> <laughs> and to have that, it, it's just, you see a different side to Landau, I think, this season, playing with two players like Pennington and George Nurse alongside him, with then the full-backs of Ogbetta and, uh, Lee, and Bennett pushing forward. It just seems so much... So much steadier and so much more. They look more confident between them. Yeah, confidence breeds this sort of thing, doesn't it? And and getting those those first couple of clean sheets under their belt after waiting so long for them has really spurred them on, hasn't it, Ollie? It's, it's almost like getting those first few clean sheets was kind of around that time where the season started to turn around a little bit, didn't it? So there's some correlation there in in the fact that the yeah. strikers get a bit of confidence because they're not going to concede so many, and you know, maybe one goal wins them a game. And and you know, in context of it, to to think we've been in all these League One seasons now, whatever it is, seven out of the last eight, isn't it? In this division, didn't happen in the Hurst season, um, didn't happen in the slightly good bit of uh, Ricketts, didn't happen under. Turn- in that first season so to say we've you know got four clean sheets in our own league one for the first time um is, is pretty impressive i think yeah i think to add to that as well i think it's also you've got vela Leahy, and davis um screening them in the front um three players that i think are yep. in good form um are mobile as well and building on lauren's um, lauren's comment about nurse and pennington i think we've got a mobile midfield as well um, and davis obviously since he's come back has really spurred us on to this this great run that we're having so yeah i think all, all fair comments yeah, we picked up points in five games in a row, and that's only been better twice in the League One seasons, obviously during the Hurst season and also Steve Cottrell's first seven games where we picked up points in all of those games as well. But again, showing that turnaround in form that we were just discussing. Um, Steve Cottrell's now got a 33% win percentage, which is pretty decent when, compar- when compared to other League One managers. Obviously, Hurst was better, up at 46%. Um, but all the other managers um, in the time in League One have only had 23 to 26%, so he's quite a, a way ahead of that now. Um and yeah, if we win the next game, we'll, we'll have had 18 points in the last 10 games, which I think gives you a real good context of, of how much this turnaround's happened. And, and I kind of just put a thing up on Twitter, actually, in terms of looking at those 10-game blocks. And it's really interesting now, Ollie, looking at Steve Cottrell's time at the club, where started off with the first 20 games where we picked up a lot of points. It was 18 and 15 in the in the first 20 games in terms of 10-game blocks. Then we dived down to like 11 and 5 points in the next few. And now we've started to build it back up now to sort of maybe, maybe, got, maybe be 15 at the moment, maybe 18. So there's been a definite difference and, and a definite recovery now and it, you can see it in a kind of diagram form I suppose now when you look at points per game Yeah, it's a good run Glenn I think I think we can be very yeah, it's good to see that the managers turned it around as well and got that improvement um, so yeah, I think we can be quite happy with how, how, how these kind of led the, the team in the last few weeks and months yeah, there was one last, quite a funny one. Obviously, when Sam Ricketts got sacked after um, as many league games as he played in League One, he only had 78 points. And, and, and um, Cottrell's only one win away from getting 78 points himself. And he's got 14 games to achieve it in. So again, in comparison to Steve Ricketts, he's now 
in comparison to Sam Ricketts, he's well ahead of him. So, yeah, you know, we've often looked at the negative stats over the last few years and, and the, uh, the doldrums of goal scoring, but, you know, we're in a period now where we can look at the way things have turned around, and I think these are, these are all stats that kind of point us in that direction. But away from the stats, Ollie, uh, start to have a look at the game on Saturday, um, which had less stats, being 0-0, but um, go on, team selection, Ollie, read through it, same as every week. Yes, same team. I think it's four games in a row now, isn't it? We've had the same same team um, starting lineup. So I don't think, I think it'd be a bit boring to go through it again. I think we'll skip it for this week. I think it's probably the first time we've ever skipped the team. I don't think we've ever had four. I don't think we've ever had on the podcast played four um, games in a row with the same team. Um, was, I tried to look it up and yeah. never gave up. It's too difficult. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it is. I, I would guess, as, as a Shrewsbury Town stat aficionado of some kind, that it probably hasn't happened for a very long time. No, I, would I think so. We obviously, you know, I always put the agenda together and always do the team, and there's virtually always a couple of change or a change here or there, copy and paste it from last week's agenda. But yeah, it was um, same team again, which was which was nice to see. Um, a little bit through necessity as well. Um, but you guys both made the trip um, to the match. I, I was watching from home. Um, what was your kind of away trip um, more like, Lauren? We've got family that live quite close to Cruz. So we actually um, called in to see them pre-match and then parked upon the industrial estate and went to the Bockle Bank pub, I think it's called, um, not far, around the corner, um, which was really nice. It was just me and Dad that travelled up and then we met some friends in the ground. So it was a nice local away day and back home before six o'clock, which is uh, always nice when you've done some of the long journeys that we've done the, over the years. It's nice to be home quite so early. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? Getting back to shoot before six o'clock. I, I rocked into town about two minutes to six. I was quite happy with that, to be fair. Um, I had a bit more of a... I had to deal with three free rowdy lads on Saturday, Ollie. I took my son um, and uh, two of his school friends. One one of the boys um, was his very, very first game of football ever. He'd never been to a Shrewsbury home game. He'd never been to any football in his entire life. And uh, he started at Crew Away, which is... Uh, what a magical place to begin your journey as a football fan. So, um, I think it's yes, quite he, a funny place to go, but also he probably got, probably got quite a intense um, experience in obviously an intense into the league one kind of connotations yeah. but yeah having 1,400 away Shrewsbury Town fans it must have been quite an interesting experience for him yeah, I mean, Rory and his other mate go to quite a lot of town games. I think they both they both got season tickets. But um, as I say, he wanted to kind of get involved. And do you know what? On the way home, we were rocking into town at just before six o'clock, and he was talking about wanting to come again. So I think in terms of uh, positives out of this weekend for me, you know, being able to recruit another town fan to the cause, I think was a good thing. So um, yeah, they they loved their trip up there, and we parked um, we parked down the road on Gresty Road itself, um, sort of near the railway bridge. I know a lot of town fans would have gone under that on the way home, and uh, yeah, it was good. You can get away quickly, and uh, we know a certain friend of ours who's been on the podcast before made that cardinal error of parking in a, in a football club's official car park and it's fine you can rock up and get into the game quickly but you you ain't getting you weren't getting home to Shrewsbury before six o'clock if you parked in that car park because it was carnage getting out of it so um yeah me and Lauren experienced travelers we knew where to park didn't we so um yeah that was all good so yeah I think everybody had a good day out obviously all the town fans getting up on the train as well um, Lewis Cox said he could see them from the software where he was commentating coming off the train and sort of walking around to the stadium so it's always a, it's always a good day out and, um, and that's fine but you did mention Crew Stadium Ollie and I, th- I thought I'd ask Lauren about this one really because I remember going there over the years and you know they've generally been getting better crowds than they get now there and it was always a good atmosphere and it didn't look quite so empty and depressing is that a fair way of saying it and, and I don't know what did you make of you know what the other sides of the Crew Stadium looked like yesterday Lauren? From what the 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 group behind the um, one goal, I thought were they tried to make some noise, uh, but it's it's not the nicest ground. It always makes me smile when you see that great big stand and then realise that the rest of the stadium is only about ten rows deep. Uh, so I think we looked at the capacity because we were surprised about how big that stand is, and it's only a ten thousand seat capacity or just over ten thousand. I think they must all be in that main stand, but. 
it's one of those away days that's so good because it's so close to us, but you never really get a massive atmosphere there, even though we seem yeah. to take so many fans. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't permeate along that stand too much either. I would say that the town sound you know everyone got behind them and kept them going. But obviously the the singers Ollie for, for just sort of very far down the right hand side, and I'd ended up being right down the left hand side. And to be honest with you, not much travel down there. Um, so it was is a bit of a weird one. But town fans got behind the team, and you can't really criticise them for that, which was good. Um, and we had the usual thing at Crew, which always happens, as, as Lauren will know, and, and yourself probably from going to Crew. You go in there, the first 400, 500 people in there get told to sit in their specific seats. Then it gets to half two, and the crew fan, the crew stewards give up trying to do that. Then it's a free for all, and then this time they put up a human barrier of stewards to stop more fans from going down to where all the singers were. And after that, everyone was just sitting wherever they wanted, and there was bits of standing and all sorts of stuff going on. But it seemed to be everyone kind of found a way to watch the game in, in relative uh, relative comfort at the end. But um, yeah, I, I always I always find it funny when when clubs give up halfway through the allocated seating rules. You might as well just let it be a free for all from the start, and you wouldn't have had so many problems. But uh, yeah, I there we go. Bradford always seemed to do that. They always seem yes. to think we'll bring about 50 fans and then when 400 <laughs> or 600 turn up and uh, they get very confused. So yeah, it's, it's, I don't know why Stewards bother doing that. It's, it's not like it's a, um, you know, it's not like it's at a, a huge ground with, with, with where seating is going to be an issue. It just seems like it gives them something to do, I guess. No, I'll mention the shooting as we go on a little bit further. But um, yeah, let's have a look at what happened on the pitch then, I suppose. Go on, Ollie. Yeah, I thought it was a, a fairly decent um, start from Stewards. Probably a, a decent half overall, really, without creating know a, a glutton of, of, of chances um but i thought probably the the most important kind of like early start to the game for me was that corner that we had um where bennett took the corner and ball came flying in and became basically the ball case he went into the back of the net um and basically for me i didn't see um what was wrong apparently there was the referee seems to have given a foul on a doe um, and on 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 a crew defender, the goalkeeper went flying into the net, but there was no one really neck like the doe was near him, but a doe was kind of standing in front of him. So I don't really understand what happened there, and I imagine it didn't go very down very well, Glenn, on the terrace. It's I mean I don't know where, where Lauren was. We'll ask her in a minute. I was down the very left hand side, so as far away as this you could possibly be from it, and just looked to us like we'd scored a goal. I couldn't see anything happening on the keeper. But then, like like modern day football now, there's enough people at home watching it on iFollow putting clips up, and I saw the clip back straight away on, on my phone, maybe a minute or two later, and it looks to me like it's for a foul on the goalkeeper from a doe, but it doesn't look like a foul. It's very weak, if if anything. And um, the ironic thing is, for for anyone that doesn't know this, it, it probably wasn't a foul on the goalkeeper, but this is the the referee that didn't do anything to um, read from uh, Lincoln when he assaulted uh, Dean Anderson. Oh, it's that, that ref. Um... I didn't know. It's good job I <laughs> yeah, didn't know was... that before the game, actually, because always that so, might put a damper on let, it. Let that challenge go, but then penalised us for, for some sort of half-hearted challenge on the goalkeeper. So I was a bit furious when I read that, to be honest with you. But I don't know, Lauren, were you any closer to it? Did you see anything more on the day? No, we were not far from your the end you were just the other side of the... Uh, yeah, just okay. your side of the halfway line, and I didn't see anything for it to be disallowed, like disallowed at the time. Um, looked to me, like you said, went onto Twitter and saw the video, and it looks like he's given it for a foul on the keeper, but Udu didn't look mm. as if he was anywhere near the keeper to be fouling him, really. Not that, certainly not that close. Um, so it was, it was a bit frustrating when you see it back, and then we had the same discussion with the people around us that uh, was it was that referee that didn't give the red card or punish Reed for what he did to Dean Henderson so we had that conversation yeah. as well <laughs> <laughs> shocking really there we go Ollie but the, that went on and it was down the other end then and crew crew had the ball in the net didn't they yeah they did um, really really shanked ball from Pennington gave them opportunity for a counter attack 
Really good save from Morosi, stopped us going 1-0 down, and then the second attempt was offside, which um, got cheers from the Shooter Town fans. Um, a really good save um, from the keeper again. Morosi's on form at the moment, isn't he, Lauren? He certainly is, and I feel a bit bad for not mentioning him before when we were talking about the defence and what's changed, really. I think Morosi's done really, really well. Um, he looks quite... Co- he, well, his, his confidence has obviously increased massively due to the clean sheets, and he did do really well with that save after, like I say, the poor clearance from Pennington, and it was a bit of hearts in mouth moment for a minute and then when you saw the offside flag go off you were quite relieved because it would have been a shame to have conceded at that point after obviously ours just being disallowed and also the, the save from Morosi. Yeah, it was, you could see straight away there where we were that he was offside, Ollie. So I wasn't, I wasn't too worried about that one. I think people down the right hand side might have been a bit, a bit more confused as to what was going on. But um, yeah, so it started, you know, started off obviously quite well. And I think in terms of the early, you know, the, I'll say what I think about this. I think we played really well up until about the last fifteen minutes this half, from which point Crew got on top. But I think during this opening spell, we clearly created quite a lot of chances, and a lot of that come from from pressing. I don't know if that came across on on the coverage you were watching, but um, yeah, we you know we, we did create some good chances there. You could probably have a have a talk about now if you want. Yeah, pressing for me was was a key element of this game. Um, in the, of recent weeks, we haven't talked too much about tactics and styles and stuff, but pressing was definitely something I want you to mention today. Um, and Ado was key to that again, wasn't he? Um, there's a couple of times he wins the ball and creates an attack. So there was that first time wins the ball on the left hand side. Um, Pet gets the ball to a better good cross into the box um, for Bowman, but it was kind of fumbled by the keeper and they kind of kicked it away. Um, and then yeah, it carried on. Um, can we keep that pressing going? Ado wins the ball again across into the box and again another clearance, clearance from Ogbetta and Ado's pressing and um, Ogbetta was, was key in the, I would say, in the first 20-25 minutes in terms of our attacking play. Didn't quite come off um, but we were getting the ball into dangerous areas. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Lauren, they, they they've been so so good as a front two, haven't they, in recent weeks? Uh, Bowman and Ado, um, in terms of where they've dovetailed. But one of the things that stands out the most is their work rate. I think for both of them at the moment, isn't it? Absolutely, Ado worked so hard yesterday. It was coming back deep to get the ball. He passing on. He put some good balls, like you say, back out to Ogbetta to get down the wing. And I think the change in Danny Udo has just been awesome to watch because we weren't sure. Well, I wasn't sure about him initially, and. He's grown as a footballer over the last half well, this season, and it's fantastic to watch. Look at his work rate, and then Bowman alongside him, I think, is really they're a really good partnership, um, and it's been good to watch it. We were actually on the front row, so it was we were sort of pitch uh, level, which I've not watched a game at pitch level for a very long time. So it was nice to it was it was nice to watch it from that angle because you just see a slightly different side of it, and it, it particularly in the first uh, second half with Ogbetta attacking. Um, down our side, the Shrewsbury Town's fan side, it was great to to watch their work rate sort of that low down and see it at pitch level. It was brilliant. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I mean, they they worked so hard in these last six to eight weeks. I mean, I think to be fair, we've never criticised their work rate through the whole season. Obviously, Bowman no. missed the start, didn't he, Ollie, with with that little knock and and Ado had a bit of a slip, slippy start to the season, but they've definitely come into their own. But they, they kept going, didn't they? I mean, we had more shots and, and sort of half chances as that half went on up until the last fifteen. There was a a shot from Vera from a corner, wasn't there? And um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what this one looked like, but there was there was a second attack quite close after that, where um, I can't remember what was down the left, but um, basically Bowman tried to flick it into the net um, from behind himself, and town fans were up and cheering because it looked like it was in Ollie. Yeah, it did. Unfortunately, it was really, really good, really close, and a really, really good attack. 
Um, that Velop chance wasn't too bad. Um, so good. We did some good stuff. I thought we worked really well. We, it was quite a, a classic tower and attacking performance, really, was in a way, wasn't it? It was kind of, let's get the ball forward quickly, and then we're in that final third. Let's try and make things play very much kind of less centric yeah. with a better. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was getting down the left and that flick, and it was really close and hitting the side net. Town fans cheering and crew fans taking the mick and when they saw the obviously the, the ball had gone for a goal kick um, but then yeah. Glenn you think that um, yeah you, I think it's fair to say that crew ended the half quite well yeah I mean I put this in the agenda I'm not sure whether you two will agree with me but I, I think they got on top in that last 15 minutes and, and we we definitely had less you know we, we didn't create too many chances from that last 15 minutes onwards and um, they created a few of their better chances in the game really in that period and it was only thanks to Ebanks and Pennington you know some good defending from them at, at moments of sort of late blocks and headers away and then there was one goal that Bennett stopped that was a certain goal from where I was sitting and they had a shot and he just dived full length and blocked it with his face um, absolute bravery absolute commitment um, and Lauren you know, you, you sit in front row. That was that was going in, wasn't it? That one shot they had that he, he blocked, and then got sort of a bit dazed from it, didn't he? Absolutely, that was going in. It was a fantastic stop, fantastic block, and it was good to see him get back up after it because it did look as if he took it flush in the face. He did, yeah. Yeah, nasty. And and the same Rossi was was struggling with that one. He was he was kind of going the other way, Ollie. So yeah, we kind of kind of did that. And um, yeah, I think in terms of observations, Ollie, from your half, you you thought there was one particular performance there that stood out to you? Yeah, I thought Davis was superb again. Uh, really kind of setting the tempo and the, and the kind of him and, and Ado as well. I think in terms of obviously winning the ball back and picking some pockets. But for me, Davis Davis was was good. But um, yeah, just before half time, then your attention was taken away from the game. I'm interested to what Lauren just said because she was sitting on the front row and yeah, there was a bit of a bit of controversy. I'm not sure how close you were to this, Lauren. So I'm going to ask you in a minute. But yeah, it seemed to me from where I was sitting that, and I'm led to believe, having read a few things online afterwards, that the stewards had this thing where they wouldn't let people go under the barrier, the people on the front row onto the sort of concoursey kind of area at the front and then walk to the right and go up the stairs to avoid having to make everyone get up and down if they were going to the toilet or the buffet. And um, it caused some sort of big kind of argument and there was four or five town fans involved and a lot of finger pointing. I didn't see you involved, Lauren, but how close to you were to all that were you? Uh, right in front of us. Um, it, yeah, it, oh, it, was men- <laughs> it was mental, Stuart. And we were, I think it was block C, so... It, it sort of happened, I spotted it early on in the game, up the far end where all of our fans looked as if they were standing up from the pictures that I've seen. And there was a couple of stewards kind of like trying to encourage our fans to not go on the bit of tarmac at the front and getting them back up. And then they came down our end and it was literally, um, you were going under the barrier, you got a metal barrier on the front row, so people were just ducking underneath it to get up to the steps like you say. And the stewards were stopping us. Um, and it was just, it was ridiculous because... If you were in the middle of the row, you were going to disturb 10, 15 people rather than just nipping under and walking. And they would, every time you moved, the stewards were stood up. They'd sit up and then they'd sit down and then they'd sit up. So, yeah, it, it, I think it aggravated a couple of fans um, on uh, to, my, to our left. And then uh, we did see a couple get told as well. And it, it just seemed a bit mad, to be honest, because you just... They created then an issue in the stands that wasn't really necessary. Yeah, I agree. It looked quite quite aggressive at some points. I don't think no no punch or anything like that, Ollie. But there was a lot of fronting up to people and kind of fingers being pointed in faces and, and raised voices. And Lewis Cox said one town fan got thrown out. I'm not sure whether that was the same incident or not. To be honest with you, I didn't see anyone getting thrown out. But yeah, just just one of those things he didn't like. To, you know, we don't often talk about stewarding at football matches because I think in 2021, 2022, you know, football clubs have switched on to the needs of, of fans, and you don't tend to get that 
utterly militant stewarding that you probably used to get in the, the no. late nineties, particularly. And and it's it wasn't good to see it. And I don't know what crews crew were playing at really. To be honest, seems with. a bit unnecessary. Yeah, you don't really get too much issue these days. You just seem to most yeah. fans go to hundreds of games and just leave them alone. But yeah, you go to the odd place where they. Yeah, seems to feel like they need to prove their worth, maybe. It's a bit strange, but... Yeah, I think it's fair to say, Glenn, I think what you said before was was fair in terms of crew came into the game. You know, the, the end half... The, the half ended, sorry, um, with 60% possession of just about for crew. Um, both have had six shots. Um, they yeah. had three blocked, which shows, you know, we would, you know, they were shooting from, yeah, probably not the the best positions. Um, and then, yeah, their goalkeeper had to make a few more saves than, than Morosi did. Morosi really had to make that one save. Um, so I think we probably just edged the first half overall. Would you would you say that's fair, Lauren? Yeah, definitely. I think we had the the better of the chances, and I do think we just we just edged the half. And it was only really in the last ten minutes crew came into came into that half. I thought we dominated it for the most part, and it was uh, it it was a good first half performance. Yeah, up until that last ten minutes, it felt like we were going to score a goal and go on and win it, and they didn't really have too much to offer. So giving them that little ten minutes at the end of the half definitely maybe helped them get a little bit of confidence in the second half because I think that was a slightly different game. But um, it's funny what you said then about the way they were shooting and where they were shooting from. I, if I was a crew fan, I'd, been, I'd have been furious about how little they shot in that half because they did get to the edge of the box quite a lot and they just didn't shoot. They kept wanting to play it around and find that killer ball really, and sometimes maybe a long shot might have helped them. So um, yeah, that was one observation I had from that game. I, I think if I was a crew fan, I want them to shoot a little bit more. But um, yeah, n- nothing major really um, and yeah they never went to the buffet and got in a massive queue and lots of people didn't come back until five minutes into the half from looking at the people around me but um, yeah it uh, it started with a decent chance for town didn't it so yeah I, th- I thought she was just start the game alright Clint and then the chance you're talking about is that a better chance that you fired over um, some good build up play again um, and yeah, not the best chance, but wasn't um, wasn't too bad enough. I thought from what better, um, and then there was an absolutely brilliant save, probably the the save um, of of the day from terms of from the crew perspective. Corner comes in, another good delivery. Corners I thought were quite good actually yesterday. Um, corner comes in, Pennington um, say um, headers, um, and that was a really good save. Um, did you have a good view of that one, Lauren? We thought it'd be in the keeper. Um, yeah, it was a great. We had a good view of it, and it was a good header. And we did think he'd just done enough to beat the keeper, and then all of a sudden, it it, it was saved. So it was really good. I, I was impressed by some of the corners yesterday. I thought the deliveries in were, were were really good and consistently good. And that header, I think he was really unlucky for that not to have gone in. Yeah, it was a good, really good chance and, and disappointing. I thought actually thought corners was probably a, had a good chance for Shuji to score. Um, and I think we were play, we were actually playing for corners as well. Did you think that in, in real time we were trying to win corners? Well, yeah, we were, we were pushing on a little bit to, to win them. It's a tr- tricky half for me to, to kind of summarise, really, because I, I didn't think either team were very good in this half, to be honest with you. Considering there was a, a few chances either end, it wasn't. I didn't think it was a very high quality. No, half it was quite poor. Football. I thought second half was much worse. I think the reason why we think Town were likely to score from corners was a lot of our chances came from them, but because there wasn't too much outside of that, if I'm honest with you, Ollie. So, um, you know, it definitely kind of could have been a way to unlock crew. But, yeah, I, I think that, you know, this was a very even half of, of poor football, to be honest with you. And we tried to push a few times. We'd have a good five-minute spell, then crew would push back and have a good five-minute spell. And I, I don't know, you know, a lot of this is going to come to talk about some of the chances we had later on and a, and a few chances that they had. But I'm, I'm interested to see what Lauren thought about the general vibe of this half was that it was kind of trotting on, wasn't it, with very little kind of to, to, to shout about in some respects and you know crew started making subs they were trying to affect the game whereas Steve Cottrell didn't make any subs and, and kind of just kept running the legs off everybody and obviously we've got a week until our next game so maybe that's not a problem but I don't know what did you make about the lack of subs it was one of those games where I, I kind of felt personally that a Bowman or a Doe was kind of running themselves out the game and maybe Jana High or Bloxham was an option but didn't happen did it? 
we were looking for subs from about with 25 to go and we thought he must make yeah. some changes and it, it was kind of frustrating for him not to really because they did look tired and and like you say we were we were drifting in and out of the game having periods of where we were controlling it and then crew would have mm. their period of control like you say and you you just as they made their changes they sort of had that little bit of a push again for a few minutes and it was frustrating yeah. when you've got Tom Bloxham that could come on and really you, you would think he'd probably come and run that defence uh, ragged for 10, 15, 20 minutes, it would have been nice to see. And it was a bit of a shame because they did look tired in that last 20 minutes. That the, the team looked tired and whether it was catching up on them from Sunday and um, you thought a change would have been a good idea, but he just he never made one, which was a bit of a shock really because mm. it would have been nice to see um, Bloxham get a run. I think he'd have done well against that defence. And also after the short appearance, Jana made at Liverpool. It would be nice to have given him 10, 15 minutes again as well. Yep. Yeah, it, we don't normally we normally save um, Steve Quattrall comments to the end, but I think it's worth bringing them up now. So he said, you know, in terms of making subs, he said he won't make subs for the for the sake of it. And he says he often sees managers make changes just for changes' sake. But then at the same time, he said that you didn't really see the need for a sub. But at the same time, he did say that we probably had a little bit of a hangover from playing um, Liverpool which obviously is a bit of a contradiction there, isn't it, Glenn? Yeah, and Janahai will be biting at the, the chomp to get out on this one. Wouldn't he? I mean, that's not, a, that's not a phrase, but I've said it anyway, Ollie, so never mind. Um, <laughs> but maybe I've just invented one. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. I mean, like, it feels a little bit like, does he, does he really trust everyone on the bench? You know, obviously not some of them, but to not put Bloxham or Janahai seemed a bit odd. And, you know, if I was Janahai, I'd already start to see a bit of a panic about that. Well, I think that's a bit early for him to panic. Well, he's probably, know. You know, you know, you know what Cottrell's like when it comes to fitness and all that kind of stuff and getting understanding how we play. I think the question, probably a bigger a question, is why Bloxham didn't come on. Yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, it, and it's you know it's about it must some of it must be about trust, but it, the thing for Bloxham as well, a lot of people were kind of saying around me, and we were sort of I was around some of the blokes we sit within in Block Nineteen, we were sort of seventeen, we were sort of saying that in essence towards the end we did actually go a little bit long, and we did try to put a few crosses in there, and by that point you know it definitely felt like Bowman and Ado had, had probably got twenty percent of their sort of level had gone, and if you're going to throw a, a ball in there and hope to win a, a header, then Bloxham was a really good option. So yeah, I think that was kind of the one you know tactical thing that people were kind of questioning this week, but obviously we've gone away to crew. Um, and got a point and, and not lost so he's obviously done most of it right but it, I think there was a, a, a sense from some fans leaving that that was maybe two points dropped and that their crew were definitely a team that were get-outable uh, and on based on our current form probably could have beaten but yeah may, maybe there's a master plan behind it and we just don't know but um, that, that was some of the chat that was going on Ollie. I think again it sounded like a bit like a broken record but it's just again lack of options isn't off the bench and lack of midfielders or wing backs to come on to try and mix things up a little bit and put a little bit of pressure on, on the players as well. Not that they necessarily need it, but I think having options on the bench is still a huge, huge weakness and yeah, hopefully that can be fixed in the next few weeks. But as you said, Glenn, it's a yeah, it wasn't I don't know, it wasn't the best halves. I think probably, you know, crew played in the week. Um and then also obviously we played that huge effort against Liverpool. Um do you think maybe Glenn were a little bit fatigued? Oh yeah, from what I just said, I thought we definitely yeah. tied as the game went on, and that's why I was so staggered about the lack of subs that me and Lauren just discussed there. So yeah, it, it is what it is. We came away with a point. You know, maybe it could have been two in a different world, but um, I'll take that. There were a few other bits that went on in the rest of that game. There was a big yeah. shout for a penalty from Crew um, as it went on, and again down the other end from where we were. But it was interesting on on Twitter. I kind of had a look to see what the initial thoughts were from people down that end and and people watching on TV. And Lewis Cox was instantly never a penalty was already going down, and then a couple of other people I know were like Stonewall penalty. So I don't know, Ollie. What what did you make? of it watching from TV I suppose that would be a better view maybe than me and Lauren had to be honest Glenn I didn't see this but to be honest I didn't <laughs> see enough. this we, at all 
Were you babies? Were you dealing with babies yeah. at this time, Ollie? Yeah, oh, I was. There we go. What about you, Lauren? Because they, they were shouting for it, weren't they? And there was a couple of couple of people asking the referee. We thought Stonewall penalty from where we were sat, but yeah. I think it was yeah. it it just it 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 just looked like a penalty from from where we mm. were. But also, when some of the, some of the decisions that the referee made, you were really surprised that it wasn't a penalty because ch- crew were going down so often and getting free kicks so when he went down in the box you, you kind of did a sh- think that it was going to be yeah. a penalty uh, so I was quite surprised to just not even really notice the referee wave it away and just we just played on it wasn't even as if he acknowledged it to be honest yeah it caused Artel to start going mental on the sidelines Ollie he, he spent the last minutes of the game sort of last 10 minutes in a bit of an apoplectic rage at, at everybody around him he was stomping kicking his feet he was marching up and down his technical area he looked he looked absolutely furious Dave Artel but um, there we go it's always good to see our Dave Artel being angry um, I kind of agree with Lauren yeah there was definitely something in that but um, yeah interesting I've not seen a highlight of it back because I don't think it made the highlights so um, yeah maybe if you get a chance to see it this week Ollie it'd be good to let me know what you think um, but yeah other than that um for those of us who weren't looking after babies, Ollie, um, there was a couple of late chances, um, and uh, yeah, I th- these were probably the chances to win it, weren't they? That was another one of those reasons yeah. I think town fans left Lauren thinking we could have won that. And the two late chances were there was a corner again, um, and it kind of fell to Bennett on the edge of the shot, and he had a shot really hard and low, and it just went into a crowd of players, bounced around, quite brave defending, and then there was a couple of half snapshots in there and bounced away eventually, and then. Obviously, late on, this wasn't from a corner. This was actually one of the best crosses I've seen for a really long time, actually. Ball was down the right-hand side, and um, Bennett picks picks his man and just hits a really low, sort of direct, diagonal cross to the back post, where, for some reason, Ebanks Landell was still there. I think it must have been quite after a corner from Brightly. And, yeah, does a diving header at the back post, and um, I-, I thought he'd scored, Lauren, and-, and the game had been won. But, yeah, not not to be, was it? So unlucky, so unlucky, yeah. what a header. Um, we, we did question why Ebanks Landau was up there at that point in the game, but um, yeah, superb <laughs> header, really, really good save, and I, I'd gone up thinking that there was no way that he was going to save it, and it was a goal. So yeah, I was up and ju- ready to celebrate, but really, really good chance, or a couple of really good chances towards the end that thought on another day we'd nick it. Um, just unlucky, really, and a couple of really good saves from their keeper. Yeah, he did the business at the, at, the, yeah. at the time for them and kept crew in the game, didn't he, Ollie? So, um, yeah, that that was it, really. That was kind of the end of it. And um, yeah, don't know. You've, what was this? You've put here interesting match stat, not nine, Ollie. What was that? Invalidation? Yeah, it was that um, we had nine corners; they had none. Oh right, which well, is there quite you go, odd. Then. Quite odd for a, yeah. uh, you know a side not to have any corners in the game. Um, for me, I felt a few times we were trying to win corners, um, but yeah, they they definitely didn't. Obviously, they didn't have any. But yeah, I think that chance, I think that Ebanks chance, and then the other chance at the end, I think also yeah, it kind of it kind of not that it changes your memory, but obviously it does kind of the last thing you remember of the game. If you had good chances, you always I think um, really changes your perception of the game. Um, but mm. as you said, Glenn, not a lot happened in that second half. There's a lot of kind of dead time. No. And that was it, really. The only other thing that happened in that half was there was a bit of a, a sort of all, a, quite a few fans in the crew end turned lights on their mobile phones. Um, and we yeah, I noticed that. I asked a crew fan today what that was all about, and he said, "I don't know. I think a few fans thought they were in a Dell concert or something, so it wasn't a planned <laughs> protest or anything. I think maybe it was a bit of boredom. I don't know uh, uh, what was going on there. And observations on crew. I mean, they, they're gonna they're gonna need a few wins to get out of trouble, aren't they? But they got a couple of half decent players going forward, so they might be all right. But my my biggest observation, Lauren, on the day was that Mikkel Mandron was their right wing back for them, considering he played up front against us last time and was a, been a striker pretty much his whole career. Um, 
and yeah, I wondered if he'd been, you know, piked like we have for not scoring goals. But again, I asked this crew fan, and he said that um, Mandron had been playing as a makeshift um, wing back, um, and on either side, he's been playing right and left to make you know cover people who are injured. And he said he's surprisingly suited to the role. So maybe that's the solution. These half-assed strikers that we get that don't know how to score, actually, they're better suited to being right wing backs. But it was a bit odd seeing playing there, wasn't it, Lauren? Yeah, I, I had noticed, um, but I think from listening to um, the Football League show, I watched it um, this morning just to see if they said anything, and it, it appears that Crew are struggling because I think their bench is made up of um, all youth players or younger yep. players because the one lad came on to make his home debut, didn't he? Um, and I think they've been struggling with injuries and stuff, so it's interesting that it's another squad a bit like ours that are down the bottom that are, are struggling with the players that are available. So I I was really impressed with their number 18 in midfield. I thought he really, really ran yeah. the show for them. I thought he was really good. But then their number eight got um, man of the match. So I think those two had quite a good game for crew um, in midfield as well. Yeah, they've got some quality, Ollie, so they probably will yeah. be there. They have lost a lot of quality as well, haven't they? They lost a lot of yeah. championship level players. Which is, um, as we know, when we lost Woods and Goldson, it's it's hard to um, replace. Yeah. So yeah, bot- bottom of League One, it does look tough. You've got Gillingham, obviously, stop sack Steve Evans this week. Um, who've got a really small budget um, apparently Gillingham. Um, so yeah, they're struggling at the moment. And then yeah, the three teams at the bottom look look like they're in real serious trouble. Um, and would you think after watching this game, guys, that Crew are, uh, are seriously going to be in the trouble right to the end? Yeah, I think so. I thought so, um, but it would be interesting because, like I say, there's so many big, big teams down there. I think there are a lot of change down there um, over the next few games, and we've got quite a lot of um, those teams to play over the next five or we so have. games as well, which will be really interesting. So it'll be interesting to see where we sit at the end of those, that little run of fixtures. One of the things I want to mention, Glenn, is often this time of year we see a team pulling out but, um, of relegation. It was Burton and Shrewsbury last year. No one seems to be doing that at this moment mm-hmm. in time yet. Well, we've just done it, haven't we? Well, <laughs> so we weren't in the relegation. <laughs> we were at the bottom of the league table, but us and Burton we were... We were 23rd. We've but, gone from 23rd to 15th in a fairly short period of time, to be fair. So we've done our yeah, little... Yeah, but there's difference between... I know what you mean. Yeah, we were like, you know, come on, to be fair. We were, last season, Burton and Shrewsbury looked like they were absolutely effed. Um, and, yeah, you know, we, we were in the relegation fight, but we weren't as bad as Gillingham or Crewe. I think we need to listen back to some of our podcasts from about two months ago. No, we were worried, we but we weren't in the relegate. We weren't, we weren't where we are. We weren't where these teams are now. And I just find it really surprising that you normally see a, a change of manager and you see one team fly up. Maybe Lincoln, probably the closest we've seen with that, and Shrewsbury as well have pulled out. But um, no one in the quagmire has got out yet, which makes me think it might be a bit different this year. Yeah, but you've still got to credit us to going from going from twenty third to fifteenth over the course. I think it was six to six or seven games. So you know, that's quite. A oh yeah, we're, we're full of praise, aren't we? It need we needed to do that. So yes, I'm sure other teams will. I mean, I don't know. Crew will be there or thereabouts at the end. I think battling against relegation, the sort of team that kind of seem to find ways to avoid it. And there's, there's worse teams in the league this year. So um, I think it's one of those ones where if we finish below Crew this year, we're probably going to get relegated. So there's a there's a kind of safety marker really, I suppose. And um, yeah, I, I suppose that's it on the game really. Other than there was one last thing, and again, interesting Lauren's considerations on this in that because there was you know a full away end, and it's been like this before. Apparently there were some really serious problems of people getting out of the stadium. It took them absolutely ages because there's just one kind of entrance at the back um, that the whole stand kind of filters into. You know, there's only one way in and one way out. And people were like, if there was a fire in here or something, it'd be pretty pretty ridiculous. But uh, being down the left-hand side, there's actually another exit out um, around the back of the stadium that we went on. So I didn't really experience that. But apparently it wasn't, wasn't great getting out, Lauren. I don't know if you got caught up in that. 
we've always used the exit to the left at the end of the um, yeah, terrace. We've we've never had to go down the steps. Um, so yeah, I, I saw that there was a little bit of issues getting down, and I think there was at half time as well, where it's very congested congested getting down to the buffet. But yeah, we got out quite quickly it went under the barrier and then to the left and round the back and it brings you out sort of the other side of the turnstiles yep. so it is quite a good exit if you're that end of the ground there you go we need to make everyone aware of that for next time because uh, i think it solve a few problems if the stewards are pointing people in that direction but yeah everybody got out eventually and got home as we said before six o'clock so that was all good what about top three ollie let's start with you from 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 the tv cameraman yeah i went for i went for um for we i went for bennett and um, davis and pennington and what about you lauren I went for Bennett, Pennington and Davis. Cool, similar names. I went for Pennington first. I thought, um, just to give a bit of context to it, I thought he was absolutely brilliant in central defence and, and kind of uh, uh, held us together at the points where they pushed us. Bennett was really, really good. I mean, all three minor defenders, which gives you a bit of evidence of the, the standout performance unit, I think. Yeah, Bennett was really good. That brave block saved us a goal and I gave you Banks third place. So, yeah, lots of defensive players um, and the defensive midfielders in it, which I think is a, a fair reflection of kind of how that game went. And you've talked briefly about some of Steve Cottrell's comments, Ollie, um, but what else did he have to say? Yeah, so he um, he was he was fairly pleased. He's been obviously a lot chipper in the last few months. Um, he said, yeah, it was a good away point, another clean sheet, um, and that was good. He's, I do find it hilarious that clean sheets um, were not worth anything in the past, but now they're really good, um, which I think is quite funny. Um, yeah, he said, the game we, sh- we should have won, and we had enough chances. Um, he said, then keeper made some good saves. Um, he said, maybe if we could have been a bit sharp in the first half, maybe we would have got the, got the result. Um, all in all, a good point. Um, and then he went on to talk about the transfer window, Glenn, and he said maybe something should happen this week. Um, it could have been last week, but he's hoping to have one um, in play um, and, and signed before, um, before the press conferences on Thursday. There's only 15 days after the transfer window, Ollie. Yeah, it was us talking about getting our business done early. It's uh, one player in on loan. Still no permanent signings since the uh, whenever it was July or wherever it was when we made that last permanent signing or something ridiculous like that. So yeah, are you getting worried about the tick clock ticking again, Lauren, after what happened in the summer, or are you still still comfortable with 15 days to go? Again, a little bit worried, to be, to be honest, because I'd just like to have seen a bit more movement before this point in the transfer window. I suppose the only um, bit that kind of takes away off a little bit is the fact that we weren't cut adrift quite as much as in September, October time as we thought we might be with our performances then. And it was a case of surviving to January and not being sort of adrift at the bottom. So to be sitting where we are in the league and to, to have the um, solid starting eleven that we have... Um, it's a little bit less concerning than it was, but we still desperately need some competition for places and, and just a plan B, really, when it doesn't quite go and we don't get the goal in the game and we've got someone to bring on that can hopefully change it and influence it, which is needed. And Ollie, you know, we talk about transfers. We'll probably we'll probably just wrap this one up a minute by looking at the table and, and our next fixtures. But on transfers, I've seen you just retweeted something about a player from Nottingham Forest. So there's there's some names out there that we might be in, involved in. Who knows? But yeah, I don't, know, I don't, I don't know think there's anything in that, that one. To be honest, there's no, I don't think there's anything in that name. To be honest, um, if you've been yeah talking about um, a player from Forest, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you see rumours and stuff flying around. Um, it's yeah. I'll wait and see who we sign. I understand where Lawrence come from. We obviously would like to have seen some players, um, but as we know, you know, it's a bit like trying to buy a house. Um, obviously, there's always chains involved, and sometimes it can take a bit of while to get one done. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll sign some players. Um, sign a couple of players to help us through. Um, I think getting rid of Cosgrove is probably proving a bit of a challenge. Um, so hopefully, maybe something will happen there as well. 
But on a positive, though, as you said, Glenn, league table, Shrewsbury up to 15th, which linked to um, transfer, that does make us a lot, look a lot a lot better. 30 points, the same as Cambridge um, and Charlton, um, one point ahead of um, Bolton. And yeah, we're still that we're six points ahead of the relegation zone with Morecambe. So obviously in a lot better place, Glenn, for when we're trying to sign a player. Yeah, nice little, nice little breather. And, and you look at the form of some of those teams down the bottom who we've got to play in the next few weeks. It's pretty awful, isn't it? I mean, Donny have won one in five. You know, Gillingham haven't won in the last five. It's some some pretty poor form down there. And um, talking of Gillingham, it's one of our next two games, isn't it? So obviously next up, a return to the New Meadow um, against Bolton, um, who are currently below us um, by the um, single point. Um, so yeah bit of a mid-table battle almost a lower mid-table battle so yeah and then Gillingham away um, which is obviously a horrible place to go to but um, maybe a bit easier than normal considering how crap they are at the moment And I'm sure yeah, Glenn, you, as someone who goes to all the away games I'm sure you're going to Gillingham <laughs> away on Tuesday <laughs> no I won't be doing that um, luckily fair weather fan will come to the rescue for everybody but um, yeah there we go um, a, a fair play to anyone that's going uh, Lauren are you are we, you're not going to give it to your dad to go to that Gillingham away are you no, not on a Tuesday night. No. Uh, uh, not, not, not teaching the next day for sure. A <laughs> little no, bit too true. far on yeah. a Tuesday. A little bit too long a distance for a Tuesday night, and it's it's an awful place to go to as well. It's in that open terrace. Yeah, yeah. We are lucky with I follow on Tuesday nights now for games like this. I think it is one of the things that, as a fan, you would probably you would never watch this game, would you? You'd never be able to physically see it. So we get we get the occasional horrible away Tuesday night game that we can take a, a nice pass. Yeah, on Tuesday night game for Chillingham is mad. Like, yeah, you get home. I don't know, 1, 2 a.m., somewhere like that, depending where you live. It's pretty late. back in the day. Not until my kids are a bit bigger, I think. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting run. Two teams below us. You'd like to think we'll get at least one win out of these two games, Ollie. Yeah, I hope so. I think Gillingham, Gillingham, obviously not on the the greatest run. Um, obviously, they've changed manager, so that might help help them um, improve their fortunes. Um, I think they were, yeah, they obviously started quite well. Um, against Burton, took the lead but lost 3-1 So at home, so that's potentially positive for us. Yeah, so that should be a good one. Then obviously then, um, yeah, obviously the game on Saturday, which I'm sure all three of us will be going to, um, yeah, should be a good one. Are you looking forward to Saturday, Lauren? Yeah, be good. Uh, I think it should be a good game and hopefully the home form that we're on at the moment, the run that we're on, will continue and get some fans down there, get a good atmosphere and hopefully we'll do well. And I'd like to think we could get three points from that one. Yeah, I agree, Lauren. Um, it's interesting, looking at the league table, I just spotted a couple of things. It, it's interesting, we're the only team in the bottom 11 that have not lost in the last five games, which gives you a real good indication as to how our form is compared to a lot of the teams that are slightly, slightly drifting down. And um, I should make a correction, I did put we're playing Gillingham away next after Bolton, but it is the following Tuesday. We have still got to go to Gillingham on a, on a Tuesday, so um, it's still crap. But um, yeah, looking at the league table is quite nice at the moment, and looking at the form table kind of gives you a nice smile as well. So yeah, hopefully, yeah, keep this little unbeaten, uh, un- it's not unbeaten, is it? Keep this little run of without losing going and see where we are at the end of this next little four game spell against teams that are either below us or in or amongst us I think it could be kind of season defining as to quite how high we could aim to go I think in terms of, of where we'll finish or if it goes badly how much relegation trouble we'll end up in so yeah another interesting little spell coming up isn't there yeah there is hopefully we'll get get a few signings yeah keep the home form and ticking along um, and then yeah fingers crossed we'll be fine and Lauren, if we had to put you on the spot now, uh, based on the up and down season we've had so far, um, before we let you go and, and wrap this podcast up, where do you think we're going to finish this season now? I'll take mid-table. I hope with our home home form the way it is, we should pick up enough points to finish mid-table and hopefully not have any worries come the end of the season looking down the table and be looking up towards you know, the, the, the 
the bottom of the, the top of the bottom half sort of thing. I'll be quite happy with that after the start. And um, yeah, it'd be. I think we just. We I did see a stat earlier on that we we're one of the teams that has conceded less goals. I think isn't it compared? There's only three teams that have conceded less than us That's at the true. moment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So if we can continue that and continue the defense, that you know the solid defense that we've built and. I think we'll be all right. So hopefully we won't have any worries come uh, April time. Yeah, our defence is really good. Uh, we conceded 24. Uh, sorry, we conceded 29. Um, we're going to have only conceded 21. And then you've got Portsmouth on, on 24. And then Plymouth and Oxford on 29. So, yeah, you think that teams that have conceded that amount um, are offering the playoffs. Um, it just goes to lament, doesn't it? That As we know, um, goal scoring has been our biggest issue at the start of the season. Obviously, we've done a lot better in recent weeks, but obviously I had a blank on, on Saturday. Yeah, and the, an even better comparison is to the bottom four at the moment, in the yeah. current bottom of the table. Like you say, we've conceded 29, Morecambe have let in 49, Crew 44, Gillingham 41 and Doncaster 46. You know, another 10, 15 goals for some of those teams than we have. So, yeah, a real nice start contract. We haven't been we haven't been on touch wood. We haven't been spanked, have yeah. we? And I think even though, you know, no. okay, Liverpool had four, but it didn't feel like a four game. But, yeah, we haven't had, it wasn't like an yeah. Ipswich game a few years ago. We just completely <laughs> capitulated. Um I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, obviously links back to why we're so pleased with this team and that bonds building because they do work so hard. So, yeah, I think there's reason to believe and reason to be optimistic for the rest of the season. Indeed. So there we go. So thanks for joining us again, Lauren, on the pod again. Great to get your views on the crew game. Thank you very much for having me. It's been nice to come back on and talk about the matches again. Good stuff, and we'll get you back on again down the line. And yes, Ollie, we'll be back next week, won't we? And uh, I am I am going to Bolton, even if I'm not going to Gillingham away in a few weeks' time. So um, yes, I'll be there, and I'm sure you will be as well, won't you, mate? Yeah, I should be yeah, at Bolton, um, and yeah, it should be it should be good one. It should be an interesting game. Obviously, try, trying to get a little bit of revenge for the game um, last earlier in the season, um, which I thought was a bit harsh. Really, I thought we could have got something from that one. But um, yeah, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining, Lauren. And thanks everyone for listening. And yeah, obviously no goals. A bit of a shorter pod this week. I'm sure it is. Once I've edited it, it might still yeah. be long. But yes, we, we we like to get an hour in every week. But um, it's definitely yeah, less than an hour week. this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, yes, we'll be back uh, next Sunday. Cheers, guys.